0: everyone, and welcome to the AI Innovators Podcast. I'm Rob May. I'm the CEO of Nova and a very active AI angel investor. This podcast is set out to interview lots of people who are doing interesting things in the AI space, whether these are investors or entrepreneurs or technical executives, people like that. And my guest today is an entrepreneur and the founder of Acuda. Please welcome Yuval, I'm going to butcher last name, but I'm going to try it, Gansharowski.
1: Good job, Rob. Good job. Well done. On the first try.
0: Nice. all welcome. And I, I want to get started by making an observation about something funny that you put on your LinkedIn profile, that you're an SCN. And I actually think it's a huge benefit when I read about what it was to be one of these. But tell us a little bit about that and, and what it stands for and why it was important enough to put on your profile.
1: Yeah, great question. Thanks. So an SCN stands for a socially capable nerd which is um, not a self-description. It's the way my friend used to describe me in, in undergrad. I think it's it's somewhere of like the new age, you know, nerds around the world, right? So so the story goes back to our undergrad days where, you know, it would be okay to go out with your friends, grab a beer, watch a good basketball game, and then nerd out for two hours why big men can't score free throws and analyze the impact of being, you know, short shooting an arch or tall and shooting an arch. And just talking about that and nerding out for the entire game, kind of like a mixture of... Uh, Having a good time and and seeing the world in its full uh, glory of physics and nature. Shout out to Rick Barry, by the way, for doing the Underhead free throw.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a huge basketball fan. I went to University of Kentucky. We had a guy for a while named uh, Andre Riddick who used to shoot. His, you know, he shot like 30% from the free throw line. So he just started shooting underhanded at one point, which was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, statistically proven to help, right? Uh, two also big uh, big guys, uh, the Anuaku brothers, Arenzi and Chirano, two uh, very famous basketball players, college and now uh, pro overseas, do the same thing.
0: Great. Before we hop into Akuda, I want to talk about another cool company you were involved with, Climacel which uh, I was a venture partner at, at Pillar when we, we looked at that deal. So I had some exposure to it and sort of followed the company. Really interesting company and probably doing some really interesting data science work. So I'm curious, what did you learn there? And was it at all tied to shaping your thoughts on what you're doing at Acuda?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, most of the, the thinking behind why we want to do Acuda I guess started very early in my career when I was working for very large organizations. The, the bottom line is that very large companies have no idea what's happening in the company. That, that's just a fact, right? I started my career at Intel then Apple and McKinsey later on, you know, very good organizations. But at some point it's, you know, are we working on this? Or are we not? How many people are actually working on this? How do I understand the status of projects on a, on a high level? The fundamental hypothesis behind what we do is that the job of the individual contributor is a solved problem. Everyone has the exact tool. They need to get the job done. Uh, and if that tool doesn't exist so far, then someone's going to go pitch it to a VC and it'll exist in, in a month or two, but that comes with a price, right? And that price is, is cross departmental collaboration, understanding at a high level what's happening in the company. And of course, uh, Climacol is no different, right? Phenomenal company. I joined when we were about the same size as Akuda uh, and we grew and scale very fast and, and experienced some of these understanding, you know, who knows what in the organization, how do we do proper resource allocation allotment across the various initiatives. So on that side, the the growing pains that every wonderful and good organization is experiencing that are no different than others. But, you know, more on the hands-on side, I had a very strong, deep understanding of time series modeling, anomaly detections, things and algorithms that we actually used and developed at Climacell to forecast the weather. But in a sense, they're no different than, you know. Other tools that we can use them, maybe in a different perspective or a different angle, to help us be better people, better managers, better employees, understand our companies better. And of course, I guess the last thing is startup leadership, right? Uh, I think Climbsall today, they're called tomorrow.io, is probably the best school one could ask for. Phenomenal leadership and, and to be part of that company it was a great honor.
0: Awesome. And so so let's move on to the founding story now of Acuda. So. It sounds like you've been thinking this for a while. What was the impetus to really get you over the hump and start doing it? Was there something technical that happened and you said, now I can build this company or was it just a career timing thing or, or, or what? And then, you know, where did you, did, did you start writing code before you found investors? Did you raise Angel first? Like, to, you walk us through that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Great story. So I think a couple of stories just from early in my career, you know, a very large tech company that I worked for, we had a bug with, uh, with a Bluetooth connectivity and I was literally and you know it sounds like something that's really boring, but I literally spent sixty days Rob I kid you not two full months trying to find the right expert in this behemoth of a company to help you fix that problem and so you know you're an engineer and you go and, and your entire day is made out of actually finding the one person who can help you and sixty days later I found the right person and then forty eight hours later the problem was resolved and so we we start thinking where's the challenge is the challenge actually in lines of code and doing the impossible or is the challenge in The way we run a company and connect all the pieces together which goes back i think to my earlier point about the natural growing pains of big organizations another story is you know uh, consulting firms you often are tasked with finding experts on esoteric matters this one time i was looking for the expert on southeast asia law because we helped someone in china open a branch in india or whatever and i was you know everyone was okay with the fact that that was my week long task rob trying to find the internal expert about something and, you know, you go on all these knowledge databases, uh, internal knowledge, internal spreadsheets, whatever, and maybe you find a deck that's half-related, then you see that everyone's written it had it already left the company, and you end up actually finding the answer to what you were looking for on LinkedIn, right? Which makes absolutely no sense that you have to step outside the company to find internal company knowledge. Um, right. And so combining these examples with, you know, the growing pains of a wonderful company like Limasol and others is, is when the idea started clicking of... of There's so much that our company's data can tell us. We spend so much of our day playing detectives inside the company, and so many hours are lost on that for for various reasons, right? Individual contributors, managers, executives, resource allocation, knowledge mapping, understanding, monitoring, observability, everything. And then, you know, applying data science, methodologies, statistical modeling, NLP, others, was I think the other side of the coin, so my background in data science and time series analyses. And then just combining all these things, I think, proved a, a really strong opportunity. The, the actual founding story behind the is also a good one. So a, a very good uh, now friend of mine and former professor at Harvard, Chris, current professor, former professor of mine, Chris Stanton. I, I, I called him and said, I'm thinking about leaving Climasol to start this business. And he said, Yuval, uh, you're stupid. <laughs> it's COVID time. Don't start a business. Right. This was back in, in mid 2020 when the entire world was shut down. He said, there's this other company I'm advising for, a robotics company called Dexi Robotics That's uh, that may be looking for a CTO. So you should go talk to them.
0: Oh, I I, or, I know Dexai. I'm actually an angel investor. Oh, <laughs> amazing.
1: Uh, yeah, no, Dave and Anthony are, are phenomenal folks. And, and But I said, I'm not looking for a CTO role. I don't want to leave a CTO role to start a CTO role. I, I want to start my own company. But I'll take the pitch. You know, at that point, you want to talk to as many companies as possible. They just share your idea and bounce ideas off of them. And so I was connected with the DexEye folks and they said, why don't we make a deal, right? We like the idea, but we actually need you to help us with, you know, road mapping, hiring, recruiting, things like that. So come help us out for a couple of days a week. And uh, in return, we'll give you some access to our data because at that point, you know, what you need to build a, a data AI company is, is a sandbox. And that connection, you know, proved to be very fr- fruitful. And I've been very close with the DexEye team. They're now, of course, a, a full-on Acuda customer. And I've been involved with a company in, in various capacities over the last few years and that's how things started. And then all of a sudden, you know, you show them some ideas and they're like, Oh, I didn't know that about my company. And what can we do to be better? And then, you know, from there, from here or there, you land a couple more design partners, and then a CEO introduces you to their cousin who's another CEO or their friend who's another CEO. And and, and then I had a handful of of paying customers before I had a, a dollar of, of VC. And then I was connected with, you know, one is Argon Ventures. So Bob Mason, he actually led the seed investment at climaso So we had a prior relationship. And then Mike Rosenblum from the Founder Collective, who, who led our pre-seed round and thought what we were doing was a good idea. And I'm forever thankful for their trust.
0: Yeah, both great investors who, who I know well. Cool. And so so is the right way to think of Acuda more as a search-related tool or a BI tool, reporting and analytics tool? Like, How do you categorize what Acuda does and the different use cases, or is it some new thing that's a combination of those?
1: So we, we look ourselves as category definers, building this category called ops intelligence or ops excellence, right? I think that the job of the COO, I think the COO is the most underserved persona in the world right now. Their life are is very, very hard, right? Everything is going against them. If, if 70 years ago, Rob, right, we could walk around the factory uh, of a standard, like, you know, old school, low tech manufacturer and see how many people we have on each machine uh, and which machine produces what and where the true bottlenecks are. And then we just do some shuffling around, reallocating maybe by another machine. Today we we can't, we don't know that. Everything is hidden from us. We have to just play detectives all day. What are we actually doing? What are KPIs? You know, how can I understand? How can I build this BI tool to make sense? And and so our target persona is definitely the, the COO, VP ops, or operations leaders, but it factors into many things. So for example, if if I'm looking for something, then you know, classic enterprise search, you can call it, but the best answer I could ever get is a file that's exactly the thing I'm looking for. The second best answer that I could get is, well, I don't know, but talk to Rob, he does. And I think today, CUDA is the only company in the world that can do that based on semantic analysis. So when you're looking for something, if, if we can't or are not sure whatever it is that you're looking for, we can give you the name of people who can definitely give you that answer. And for very large organizations, that's a true needle mover. And so that's, I think, in the tactic value add of ops intelligence and unlocking the digital footprint. But in terms of the strategic value add, then we can understand proper resource allocation monitoring of various KPIs. For example, are we selling what we're building? We actually have a tool right now that allows you to actually, based on semantical analysis of the code, of the comments within the code of things on the roadmap, see if you're promising to your customers things that haven't been built or things that are being stalled. And so really connecting the dots across the various stakeholders of the company by doing heavy digital footprint analysis is is what we're doing. And that's, we call it ops
0: intelligence. So you probably have access to a lot of data that most people aren't using in AI right now. In fact, you mentioned earlier that you had some expertise in time series data, which I think is still sort of underutilized in a lot of AI contexts. Are there any any novel use cases or novel ways that you're looking at data that that you guys want to highlight or in, anything that maybe you look at that is, is pretty uncommon or, uh, uh, you know, something that you're like, hey, here's an interesting thing that Akuda that does that might surprise you.
1: Yeah, I was actually talking to, to some of our partners at, at one of the largest productivity companies in the world. And uh, there's this idea of how do we how do we cluster efforts, right? How do I understand what ticket is related to what piece of code is related to what discussion and show you know sort of this meaningful narrative of events across the various footprint so i can go ahead and ask the the engine right like show me everything that's happening around a topic rather than show me everything that appears in this tool or that tool and and you mentioned time series analysis so taking concepts from like proper time series analytics into that world a little bit of, of nlp but a lot of time proximity actually can unlock a lot of
0: value for us Oh, wow. That's, I think, something that not a lot of companies do or no other company does. Interesting. Yeah, like that's a great answer. I can imagine that building a product roadmap like this, you have to spend time balancing between priorities where, you know, you can integrate new things and get more sources of data or go deeper on certain types of data. Things that can, can, um, can, can make your products better in some ways, but may not have, you know, the direct obvious benefit immediately to the user. Or maybe do things that are more beneficial to the customer with the data that we have. So maybe like, oh, we have all this. Maybe we could do, you know, this function with this data rather than focus on getting more data for more functions down the road. And long term, you have to do both really well. But but I'm curious, like. Do you see it that way and and if so, you know if not, how do you see it and and if you do see it that way do you have do you have frameworks for how you think about this kind of balance because I can see where it can it can feel like from a traditional product roadmap process sometimes like maybe going deeper on getting types of day like it feels like you 're not making customer facing progress for example, so just curious what your thought is on all that
1: yeah i, I you know i i've been an engineer for most of my life, but I, I do have a, an MBA, so I went to the dark side a little bit. And one thing that I learned is, is first show value at all costs. Now it's easier because we have a, a stronger brand and, and great customers. but in the early days you know our customers like where, where's you know all right I, I'm giving you all all this data where's where's my value? you know one very large company, Fortune 100, I think will connect some of these tools, but we, we want to see we want to see what you got for us And then we, we we are plague detectives right with our own engines and where can we find these anomalies and, and things that the customer cares about. We did a full analysis on that customer purely based on meetings data that we cannot access. Just by knowing how many, how much time we spend in meetings the whole week, that report made it all the way to the board towards understanding how they structure the company and what sort of blockers they put into place to get work done. And so once you get that, like you know, foot in the door, first show value at all costs. That's you know, we do crazy things in AI. We do crazy things to get access to more data. Our customers love us, of course. You know everything highly respected everything around privacy and security, working with some of the most sensitive industries in the world, but first real value to all customers at all costs.
0: Yeah, it's definitely the way you got to go out of the box. You know, I think it's, and it's interesting too, so many AI companies have sort of done the reverse, which is you've had a remarkable number of AI companies just sort of build for quite some time, I think, you know, without engaging customers and partially because they had to find, you know, creative ways to get data and partially because the infrastructure wasn't there a couple years ago, that's there now. But, uh, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's the reason you've seen some high profile failures. Yeah. So tell, what, what's next for Acuda? What are you guys focused on? Are you, are you hiring? Are you growing? Are you in a phase where you're sort of, you know, doubling down on the customers you have and, and really trying to like learn, like what sort of phase of company building are you at? And what, what are you looking at sort of over the next year?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're hiring uh, across many positions. Some of them are on our website, some of them are not, uh, but feel free to reach out to me or to one of our leaders on LinkedIn. Always happy to talk to great talented folks all around the world, you know, practice what we preach. We're we're a fully global company. I think in, in terms of the product some of the things that we're thinking about, of course, what are the best ways to integrate Akuda with uh, generative AI? We have, you know, our VP of data, Amitai, he's, he's a legendary data scientist, and he's really working on some of the bleeding edge things there. And then on the other side, it's, you know, what's push versus pull when it comes to ops intelligence? When when are you headed over to Akuda to our platform and asking the right questions versus how do we and when do we just highlight things that may be of interest to you directly wherever your work gets done, be it, you know, email, Slack, JIRA, Confluence, browsing, whatever. Interesting.
0: Now, a lot of entrepreneurs listen to the podcast, and I always like to ask guests if there's a technical challenge that you're working on that you wish someone else would solve to help you at Akuta, because it's just not something that fits in your, in your mandate, but might make your products or your workflow better.
1: I love this question, but can I go crazy?
0: Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a, I'm a big hardware tinker, and I had
1: uh, I had two ideas recently. One, literally from an hour ago, I was making popcorn with my wife, and I said, you know how like when you make microwave popcorn, you always have to stand by the microwave. Yeah, right? imagine a gadget that would just there to listen, like when popping stops, pause pause the microwave. I think, dude, that's an uh, that's a million dollar idea right there. Super simple noise sensor, put it next to the microwave. I'm sold. I'll invest. Nice. Yeah.
0: Oh, go ahead. Did you have more?
1: All crazy ideas around hardware and software. At some point, right when I was founding Akuda, I thought, you know, there's this whole concept of, and I'm, I'm a big fan of productivity and productivity tools. You know, I think Jira and ticketing systems are are amazing tools when used properly. Uh, and again, combining software with hardware, I always wanted to bridge the world of like ticketing to the real world. And I envisioned something like a cube or something you put on your desk that's tied to the specific ticket of what you're working on. And then you could just like throw it at the PM and they're holding it right now. So they're assigned to it automatically. And anything like, you know, between reality and the systems are, are things I constantly think about. It's like imagine you could have like a physical version of the GR ticket and just punt it and put it on people's desk. And that's how you assign tickets
0: to that. <laughs> uh, that would be an interesting business to try to raise financing for. It's like we're taking all the digital stuff. Some of it's important enough. It needs to come back to a physical pile somewhere. And so we- <laughs> print Proud, out. Definitely all crowdfunding ideas, especially the yeah.
1: popping one.
0: Yeah. Although, you know, it's part of the reason I moved away from the Kindle because I used to have the Kindle, you know, you can carry however many books you want around with you. And what I would find was I would forget what was on there. And I just, maybe I needed a process to just go scroll from time to time, but buying physical books and laying them in piles, I kind of always know what I haven't read and I can- mm-hmm you know, pick stuff up. And if if something happens, you know, particularly because I do a lot of investing. And so sometimes I'll see a concept and it's like, oh, I should learn more about that. And it's like, oh, I actually see in my stack that I just walked by. I have a book that, you know, I had a a book on, you know, the coming wave of voice, you know, technology companies and all that kind. So so those kinds of things, uh, I feel like there are definitely some advantages to things being non-digital sometimes. So it's it's kind of funny that you brought that up.
1: Yeah, I I think I owe a lot to my, you know, Home library, growing up, you get bored and there's just a pile of books sitting in front of you, and you choose one, and you know, without the intent, you just start embracing these things.
0: Yeah, and so finally, to to wrap up, I always like to end on a more personal note. A lot of interesting people on the podcast, and so I always like to ask you guys, what is the one piece of advice that you read or someone gave you earlier in your career that had a really big impact on your life or your your work life or your personal life that that you want to share with the listeners?
1: Hmm. Great question. I think maybe a little bit of startup leadership, by the way, I I like also from believer in values and principles, and I have on my Twitter pinned like my values and my leadership philosophy. So when I, when I entered that at McKinsey during my MBA, my manager used to start and end every single meeting with the question, how can I help? Like religiously, like start the meeting. How can I help end the meeting? I'm not, I'm not going to end the meeting without asking you how else I can help. And I think the whole idea of of leadership from behind or the pyramid of uh, like servant leadership, trying to, you know, I, I I was fortunate enough to hire phenomenal people at akuda and I, I try to just not get in their way for the most part and then magic happens. So it's it's okay to, you know, lead a company and not fully be hundred percent in control. Uh, I think that's what gets the most out of our team.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. I would definitely agree. Well, you've all thanks for being on the program today. And listeners, as always, thank you guys for listening. If you know somebody that would be a good guest, please send them to me, rob at NovaCloud.ai. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about Akuda, you can check them out at a K O O D A dot C O.